He's one of the most prolific, iconic, undercover law enforcement agents in recent American history. Many of you know him by his undercover name, Donnie Brasco, that he used to infiltrate and take down the American Mafia. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow LET Radio Show PO1. On Instagram, follow LET Radio Show Podcast. Again, our website is LETRadioShow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Calling us from the great state of New Jersey, and I say great state because I was born there. I was born at Passaic. Didn't live there very long. I was a Navy family. We have Joe Pistone on the phone. A lot of people may not recognize his name, but you know his undercover name, Donnie Brasco. Joe, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. You know, it's a pleasure, and i got to be honest with you. Joe is one of these guys I've wanted to have on for a long time. There are, and I've, I've worked with some great police in my career, and I've had many great officers on the show. And there are a handful that are so well known because of what they've done that they've become, and I hate to use this term, celebrities in a way. And in my opinion, Joe is one of those guys. And I mean that with the utmost respect. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So you're not used to being labeled as a celebrity, are you? <laughs> no. Yeah, isn't that funny? Here, here we got a guy. Yeah. Your, your job was, and for those who don't know, Joe is a former FBI agent. He worked undercover for a long time. We're going to talk about it. Infiltrating the New York Mafia under the cover name of Donnie Brasco. He wrote a book called Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia. He's got a podcast called Deep Cover, the real Donnie Brasco podcast. And there's a movie, by the way, highly successful movie, which I loved, called Donnie Brasco. That's a lot for one guy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and you know when you, you, you as you know, you're going into you go into law enforcement. You know, you don't go into it for money. That's for sure. You go into it because you want to do what's right, and uh, you, you have a love for. It. And, to, and to me, and I'm sure you, you know, it wasn't a job; it was a profession. And you know, when I got into it, I knew I was going to stay into it for a long time. I was fortunate enough to to be accepted into the FBI. And, and I stayed with them for over 20-some years and was, uh, I don't know if it was fortunate or not fortunate enough to, you know, be successful in all my undercover operations. And uh, I guess the most successful one was uh, I had infiltrated the mafia in New York City and I was undercover uh, with the Bonanno family for a little over five years. And I was with the Colombo family. That was the first family I infiltrated. So for a total of six years, I was uh, undercover with the mafia. 
uh, as an FBI agent. And I, and again, you know, while you're doing it, it's like any other investigation. You don't expect it to go worldwide, that you know, nationwide, but worldwide, and to become, you know, such a talked about case. But it so happened that we were lucky enough to complete it, do a good job, and uh, put a lot of people in jail and, and, and was a catalyst, everybody says, and I, I, I have to agree with it, for bringing down the American Mafia to just another organized crime group. By the way, it's phenomenal what you did. And I understand why you might downplay it a little bit. First of all, I don't know about you. When people say thank you for your service, I never know quite how to respond because we've been conditioned to say, just doing my job, you know, I was in the right place, right time. And we work with some real heroes doing heroic stuff. And we'd never want to blow our own horn. But I got to tell you, your job, what you volunteer for, you did some real heroic stuff. And it wasn't just you. It was your family as well because they paid a heavy price. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I after the after the first five four or five months of the operation, my family was you know was moved across the country. So uh, I was living in New York New York City in, in in my undercover apartment, and my family was you know across the country. So I didn't get to see them very often during the six years. And you know, it was up to my up to my wife to raise three three children. So, you know, if, if you call anybody a hero, it it has to be the the spouse or the, you know the significant other in in these type of situations. One of the things I do correct people on, and it's not a whole lot because I, it's just not worth the effort when it comes to police work. But one of the things I will correct people on is they'll say, and they'll talk about my career because I worked narcotics for a long time in Baltimore was detailed DEA and all that. And they'll say I was undercover and I explained them. No, I wasn't. There was, you know, there's a plainclothes narcotic surveillance kind of guy, which is what I did. I specialized in. Then you had undercovers who would do buys and do things like that. Then you had what you did, which is deep cover. And there's a big difference between all three. And I, I'll be honest with you. I was horrible at undercover. And so doing deep <laughs> cover, forget it. I don't think I could pass the acting test. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm not so sure. Well, first of all, you know, for your audience, uh, there is a difference between the, the, the uh, types of undercover. And long-term deep undercover is what most individuals uh, can't do and don't want to do. Because what when you go into a deep cover situation, what you do is you leave everything behind. You leave your gun behind, you leave your, your badge behind, you leave your credentials behind. It's all locked in the office. And once you walk out of that office, you don't go back until the operation's over, uh, in, in our agency anyway. And if you're fortunate enough to infiltrate the group that, uh, that you've targeted, that's your whole existence now is, is, is that, uh, that target group, that uh, organized crime group or whatever group it is. And uh, you have your own apartment, you, you know, you, you, you're devoid of your, your family, your friends. And it's, you know, it's an existence where your, your, only, your only relationship are the bad guys and your only thread to your, to your organization is your contact agent. And that's one individual that 
you're supposed to be looking out for your welfare as far as servicing your needs in your undercover uh, situation. That's a great point uh, you brought not- up. Did you ever feel like you were like unattended or on your own and not part of the group anymore? No, not really. Not really. You know, you had mentioned acting, and and to me, undercover is not being a good actor. It's being yourself. Not changing your, you know, not changing your, or trying to change your personality. The only thing to me when when I worked undercover was I changed my name. That was it. Other than that, my personality stayed the same. My moral uh, course stayed the same. So, and I think that's why, you know, I was successful probably because I didn't try to become a gangster. Uh, I didn't try to, you know, I I didn't try to become a real gangster gangster. I mean, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Joe Pistone. You might know him as Donnie Brasco. This is a law enforcement today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to start a podcast called True Crime Fighters, where we tell their stories. Each episode is no more than 15 minutes long. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, or be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Fighters. conversation with Joe Pistone on the Law Enforcement Today show, also known as Donnie Brasco, and before the break, Joe, you're talking about you didn't really, in your undercover work, consider yourself an actor. You were you. You were the same guy you've always been, and just how somehow convinced people that you were a gangster. You didn't lose your moral compass. You didn't lose so much of what Hollywood loves to talk about. You were the same guy. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, they say you got to be an extrovert, extrovert to be a great undercover agent. Well, I'm not really an extrovert. I'm kind of to myself. I don't, I don't try to put myself out there. And I did the same thing, you know, in my undercover role. I, I just be, I, I just was who I, who I am. And because you know, you, you can't, you, you can't try to become somebody else. You know, look, you work the streets, gangsters. And that's all type of gangsters. They got a, a good BS barometer. They they can tell when somebody's bull and when somebody isn't. Right. As far as you know how they act, as far as their you know their personality, et cetera. And you know I never tried to put anything on. You know I mean uh, I'm basically a quiet guy, and that's how I was. You know you, you talk. I talk when I need to talk. I don't talk to fill up space. And uh, that's how I carried myself through any any of my undercover operations. That sounds a lot like a lot of cops I know as well. They have that that radar about them. They can tell when someone's lying, and they tend not to want to talk to a whole lot of people either. Exactly. You know, a lot of you know. <laughs> you mentioned the the entertainment and TV, and you know, I always hear the. And that's why I don't watch a lot of cop shows. Actually, I don't watch hardly any America. You know. If I watch any cop shows, it's all foreign because they got great scripts. 
the actors and actresses are normal people. They look like normal people, and they act like normal people. Uh, and, you know, I always get a kick out of the American shows where, you know, you got the undercovers, got the, is the flash, the cash, and trying to be a tough guy or a tough gal out there drinking. Uh, you know, a, a, an example, I'm not a drinker. I, I, I never was a drinker. The extent of my consumption is maybe a half a bottle of beer and a glass of red wine. After that, I'm done. I, I don't go any further. And I never did. And I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. And I grew up around bars and I grew up around, you know, guys that were gangsters. And, and when I worked undercover, I didn't see any reason to, you know, to try to portray myself as somebody that, that liked to drink and everything. And I never did. And, you know, anybody said, Donnie, you know, or you, you don't drink any more than you can. You never, I never see you finish a, a bottle of beer. And I say, well, because I can't. I don't. That's it. You it's know? funny you bring Half that up. I'm a, I'm a sober guy. I've been sober 29 years, but I'm Irish descent. And there's a reason why I don't <laughs> drink, because I turn into that guy. And my grandfather opened up an Irish tavern in Patterson many, many, many years ago. It's no longer around. Uh, and I know that area. And a lot of what you did and with a lot of the FBI and NYPD, they really made a big impact on, on cleaning up New York City and northern New Jersey. And I just have a big concern that we're backsliding, but I want to cover that later. When you're going in the FBI, you had a choice. Growing up in Patterson, you had a choice of, hey, which side of the, the fence do I want to be on? And I believe in the law enforcement world, this is just my opinion, the difference between the gangsters, the criminals, and the cops, the, the same game, different sides of the fence. And some people reach a point in their life where they have to make a decision. Which side do I want to be on? Did you find yourself making that choice? Well, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. I grew up with, you know, wise guys in the neighborhood. I grew up, you know, being around the social clubs. My father was always in the bar business, but he always said, look, these aren't the guys you want to you, you, you want to get uh, mixed up with. You don't want to, you know, it's all right hanging around it, you know, because what else are you going to do in the neighborhood? You got to hang around the neighborhood, but you don't want to get involved in anything with them. And, you know, I, I attribute to that. And then I had a couple of buddies whose fathers were cops. And, you know, I looked up to them, their fathers more than the, than the gangsters, even though you see the gangsters with the, you know, with the big cars and, and the cash and everything it, that, that that never never really attracted me and again because you know the the, the talks I would get from my dad about that so I, I never really even when I was working under you know I mean you're there you see the money you see this you see that but I knew I never wanted to you know I was always going to be on the right side and and just I, I was always focused I was always focused on my job. And to me, working undercover was just another form of investigation. It just so happened it was, you know, a covert investigation and not over. So. And that's a pretty, a pretty simplistic way of stating it. The reality is, for police that are law enforcement that work in undercover with organized crime gangs, there's always a threat. There's a threat of being made. And with that means there's a threat of violence 
Uh, there's a threat of being killed. There's a threat of your family retaliation. There's a lot of things. So I really appreciate you downplaying that part. But I also really appreciate the fact that you, and you had to choose to do this. It wasn't something that, that you were volunteered for, was it? Well, you know, in the FBI, uh, undercover is, is a volunteer. You know, you do have to volunteer to work undercover. They don't tell you, hey, you got to do this, or you, get, you know, in the undercover field. And it just so, you know, it's like any, anything else, John, is that when you're good at something, you know, they keep throwing you the cases. You know, if you're a good accountant, if you could work bank cases and, and find out, you know, where the money's going, if you're a good stocks and bonds agent that, you, you know, you can work that stuff because you're an accountant, that's what you're going to keep working. I just was lucky in, in, in that uh, being a street guy, growing up on the streets, knowing the street. And, and I think that's important in undercover, that, that you, in, in, in undercover when you're working gangsters, working uh, uh, organized crime groups, no matter what it is, that you know the streets. And since I did know the streets and I was successful in, in, in my uh, undercover endeavors, so... When one ended, you know, and, and another one came up, they said, you know, hey, Joe, you want to, you know, we got this case. You want to, you know, you want to give it a go. You want to give it a crack. And again, being street smart and, you know, as a, a police officer, you know that being street smart is, you know, <laughs> that's probably 75 percent, 80 percent of your, you know. It might it's save your life. It might save someone else's. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're talking with Joe Pistone. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L.E.T. Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Joe Pistone. Joe, undercover FBI agent for a long time, infiltrated the New York Mafia and his cover story, Donnie Brasco. He's a successful podcaster. He's got the movie Donnie Brasco, which was phenomenal. Uh, his book, and it, it's just an honor to have you here. Part of your career is, is fascinating. First of all, Americans, and I'm not sure why, I have my suspicions, but Americans tend to have a fascination with mobsters and gangsters and mob movies. And I gotta whole, tell you the truth, I'm 
a fan of The Godfather 1 and 2, not 3. Also, like Goodfellas and a couple other ones that I enjoy. But I know that it's made up. I know that these people are not 100% like they're portrayed. And on the flip side, Hollywood has a way of portraying law enforcement as stumbling, bumbling idiots, crooked, uh, violent, whatever it is. So I know your career has not been like that. Exactly. You know, you mentioned that, and it does make me laugh. If I do watch a, a, a movie and, and you know, they have an FBI agent like he's out of, I don't know, out of space or something. I mean, I don't know that they don't realize, and 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 especially, and, and the same thing with, with with police officers. You know, I mean, guys are college educated. They got, you know, a lot of them have master degrees, doctor degrees. I mean, in in the FBI, we got I know of, of two heart surgeons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're not slouches. So, and and it's the same thing, you know. They portray detectives, you know, as bumblers. And I mean, it's like, and they glorify the gangsters. Yeah. And they glorify the, they make the, the gangsters. gangsters look like they're so Robin Hoodish and they're so yeah. noble. And look, I'm just looking out for the little guy. And, <laughs> and I, I'll be honest with you. I see some of these documentaries and I'm a fiend when it comes to these documentaries. And I'll watch ones like, and I'm not going to give their names, but. Uh, part of the of the the crime family in New York, one of the crime families, and his big thing was the gas station scam and all this other stuff. Right. And and then he turned state's evidence, and I'm like, yeah, I understand it, I get it, but don't be preaching to me afterwards about how noble you were. Well, you know, I I found that there's there's no honor amongst thieves, you know, <laughs> none at all. And I found that in, in, in my six years with the mob. I mean, there's more jealousy and envy uh, going on uh, amongst these guys and between these guys. Like, oh, my God, you know, one guy's jealous that the other guy's closer to, to the captain, the capo, his boss than he is. The other guy's jealous because the other guy's making more money than he is. I mean, it's like, you know, like I said, there, there, there's no honor amongst these guys. And they, they'll, they'll, they'll slice one another's throat just, just to get closer to the boss or, or you know, to make more money than the, than, than the other guy in the crew. It's a crazy, it's a crazy life. So they're not as they're portrayed life. to be in television. They're not like uh, the stoic, heroic godfather figure in those movies. And they're not like... They're more like Joe Pesci in uh, Goodfellas than they are uh, yeah. like uh, uh, De Niro Pacino. They're just not. And here's one of the yeah. things I, I got to admit. I got to confess on myself a little bit. If you look at me, <laughs> and I tell people this, when I'm 85 and using a walker and have the tennis balls in the front of it, people will probably go, oh, shh, there's 5-0. He's a cop. Because I look like, even in my old age, I look like a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal Cretan cop. You, on the other hand, for people, do a Google search for Joe Pistone, and throughout the years, you look at him and say, that's a stereotypical New York gangster right there. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. I'll tell you a funny story, I, uh, if I may. My gangster partner, when I say partner, you know, in, in the mob, everybody has a partner. We went in and, and had a meeting with a banker one day. 
and it, it, it wasn't a you know it, it wasn't a legit banker. But uh, after the uh, the meeting was over, I'm, I walk out, and and my gangster partners still talking to the guy, and the guy says, "Man, I'm afraid of him." He said, "He's a stone cold killer. I don't know, <laughs> you know, if I want to get." Him. <laughs> and my partner, after we, you know, and I say my partner because you know, it, 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 with, with these with, with these groups, every you know, every bad guy has a partner. Right. And my partner come out laughing, and he said, you know, he said I got uh, I, I got almost twenty hits under my belt, and this guy's afraid of you. Is that something? <laughs> crazy, right? It's it's funny, but you've got. And this is, goes back to the street smarts and, and part of the ethnic neighborhood you lived in, which, by the way, I miss those neighborhoods because I used to go to New York and New Jersey to visit family when I was a kid. And uh-huh. one of the things I loved about it, and I still do because Baltimore had some of this for a long time. A lot of it's gone. Yeah. But you had Polish neighborhoods, you had German neighborhoods, you had Italian neighborhoods, you had Irish neighborhoods, and they all had a distinct feel to them. And yeah. People love to make a big deal like out of West Side Story and those sort of things. That may have happened to some degree, but there was a lot of, I think, our individuality as people, as a, as a group, that is missing from our, our current society. Do you ever feel like that? Yes, I, I do, and, and, and I think you're 100% correct. And, you know, when you had the neighborhoods, like I say, you had the Irish neighborhoods, you had the Italian, the Jewish, you had the black areas, but... I, you know, when I was growing up, everybody got along. You, you had your own neighborhood, so there was a good feel about it, you know? You had the, the stores, you know, uh, being Italian, the stores, they all sold Italian, you know, type uh, specialty foods. The same thing in the, you know, in the, like we used to go into, into the Jewish neighborhood and get the fresh baked bagels. You know, you couldn't, there was no bagel store in the Italian neighborhood. But you went into the Jewish neighborhood and, and you know, it was a little store and they, they made the, the bagels fresh right there. And I think that missing that and doing and doing away with that type of camaraderie in the neighborhoods, I think that had a, that has a lot to do with what the is going on in, in the country today, you know? I think that, and I agree with you, we, we've gotten almost like too homogenized. And, you know, the only group of people I see that, that do this well and still kind of hang on to their roots in America is some of the Caribbean countries uh, and I think it's phenomenal they do that they have Caribbean stores and we have our parades and we do good on you absolutely good on you now it seems like it's anti everybody else but that's getting off topic I want to get back to you two things we're going to talk about is I'll be honest with you I love the movie I'm not a huge Johnny Depp fan, but I love the movie. And there are two scenes in the movie that stick out to me. And when we return from break, I do want to cover these and find out how accurate they are. Number one was a scene, I think, is in the airport where your character was flying either to Miami or something like that. And he was afraid of being made by another law enforcement officer. And the other one is, it seems like life was great for you and your family. And then all of a sudden, everything was horrible. And I know that they have to compress things. And I know they have to use drama to make the movie sellable. Right. We're going to return to our conversation with Joe Pistone, also known as Donnie Brasco. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. 
When we return, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about his life after the FBI. Lots of fascinating things heading your way. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation. Call the Debt Helpline now. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-709-4389. 800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. Back to our conversation with Joe Bastone on the Law Enforcement Today Show, former FBI agent, also uh, author. He's a successful podcaster. He's, of course, got the movie Donnie Brasco. And I want to say this. Donnie Brasco is a brand name. People know that. Joe Pistone is also a brand name. I think some people may not recognize it as much, but the two, do you ever find yourself where you want to say, look, I'm sick and tired of talking about Donnie Brasco and that part of my life? Well, you know, yeah, but hey, it, it, it is what it is, you know, it, I can't change it. So it, it's just part of what, what it is now. And I, 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 I do, you know, I am grateful that I was able to get the, a couple books out of it, a movie, TV show. And, you know, the movie, if you talk about the movie, I was kind of lucky in that the movie is, is about 85% true, which when they, when they make a, a, a movie off a book, it, it, most of the time you don't even know it, that it's the same uh, situation. Right. But there are certain, I want to make this clear to your listeners those who have seen the movie and and those uh, who haven't seen it yet, and it's, it plays all the time, I mean, on, it's always on television, and I think it's still on Netflix and those other channels. But there, there's one scene in, in that movie where I slapped my wife. That never happened. That <laughs> never, ever happened. That was a scene that the director put in on the day of filming. That was not in the original script. And we never saw a psychiatrist. We never went to, because I was never home long, long enough to go see a psychiatrist. And you have mentioned prior, there was a, there was a scene uh, in the airport, Miami airport, where I slugged a guy. Well, that guy was a uh, an attorney that I knew. He was a government attorney. And he recognized me in the airport. And uh, he started to call my name, and I walked up and I slugged him because I was with Sonny Black, my uh, who was my boss in the Bonanno family, and uh, uh, I wanted to, you know, rectify the situation right away. So I hit him, and me and Sonny kept walking. And Sonny said, "Donnie, what, what, what did you do? What did you hit that guy for?" For I said, Sonny, didn't you see him? 
the guy was 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 walking toward me and he was looking at my and he said oh okay so we, well, we kept it, walking. it's good to know that happened because you had to think on your feet and i'm glad to hear that part did happen the funny thing is when you're talking about the scene with your wife i never thought that part about you hitting her was real and you know i totally forgot about till you mentioned that and it's yeah. they love to throw that in there hollywood loves to throw that in there what i objected to is the oversimplification. It's like, okay, you're working undercover. Things are great at home. Everybody understands. And all of a sudden, then there's horror. And it's, you know, your whole marriage is on the rocks. And I never thought, I never bought into that was a case. She knew what you were in for, what the job entailed before that ever occurred. Exactly. Because like I say, you know, this wasn't my first undercover job. I had just come off a year and a half. Uh, undercover job that I was away from home on that one too. She, you know, she always knew that I was working undercover. Of course, she never knew what the case was. Yeah, and you know, there was never any, any just a step away from a divorce. I mean, I'm married to the same to the same lady now. You know, I can't tell you how many years. I mean, if I tell you how many years, then you'll be like, oh my god. Then you make uh, me look like a young guy. But before I forget. Tell her I said thank you because I know I her will. life wasn't easy, and I do appreciate because uh, you you can't do this by yourself. You just cannot do no, it. No. But there came a point where your career was ending, and then here I think is a really magical part from your experience, which is phenomenal, and your work was phenomenal. All of a sudden, and, and it makes it sound like it's overnight, but a book is written, then a movie's made. You say you got a couple books. You've got a podcast, which, by the way, is doing really, really well. I think it's really powerful that you can take your experience and from that grow it into all these media success stories. Because if you're like me, when I retired from police work, I got hurt and retired young. I was like, what do I do now? All I know how to do is be a cop. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, you know, it was a stroke of luck that, that the case went nationwide. The case went world. I mean, you know, I work all over the world as far as uh, with governments, uh, with with the federal, you know, federal uh, police forces lecturing and, and, and talking about organized crime, uh, gang groups, how to infiltrate them, how to investigate them. So I've been lucky in that. I mean, I've been to places, you know, that I wouldn't go on vacation, and uh, I mean, which which is, you know, I mean, I might have I might have gone to Russia. I've been to Russia three times. They, they even sent me to Siberia to do a do a two week course on uh, organized crime. I've been to third world countries. So I, you know, it, it it afforded me a lot of good travel and and experiences meeting other police officers from around the world. And when you come down to it, they're the same. You know, they, they all have the same goals. They're not in it for the money. In, in, in most of these countries, they don't make, you know, squat, uh, let alone in, in for the money. They're in, in for it because they want to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I uh, wanted to be a priest before I became a cop. And uh-huh. I always say a, a night with beer and a, a date kind of changed my whole calling in life. 
That's a good one. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. And then immediately after that, I was like, I told my dad, he was a Navy guy. And he says, all right, so you're not going to be a priest. What do you want to do? I said, I want to be a cop. He's like, oh, I think he he feigned a heart attack. Oh, my goodness. You got to be kidding me. Because it wasn't part of our family background. Uh, Yeah, right. But here you are. You've got the Donnie Brasco movie, which I've seen it before. It's great. And I'm with you. I watch a lot of BBC police stuff. I don't watch American police stuff because they... Character yeah. development, storylines, things like that, and I think they do a better yeah. job. Uh, also, you've got the, your book, and like Rob Starkman, he says you guys are friends. You help him give advice on writing his book, uh, what to do, what not to do, and then you've got this very successful Deep. podcast. What's it called? Deep Cover: The Real Donnie Brasco. And that is from uh, you look at like Chartable and a few other ones. That's the top half a percent. A podcast worldwide, very successful. Uh, my hats off to you. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And you know, an audience can get on Jam Street Media. That's a production company. And I've talked to them yeah. as well. They're the ones who lined up our interview, which I think is great yeah, job by them as exactly. well. Exactly. And you know, otherwise, uh, other they, they can get it on Apple or any other place to get the podcast. But Jam Street Media is the production company. And if they go on there, then it, a new episode drops every every Wednesday. We we finished season one. We did 19 episodes of season one. And uh, we started season two. Phenomenal uh, stuff. People need to check it out. It is called Deep Cover, the real Donnie Brasco podcast. Joe, I want to thank you so much for all you've done. You've been a phenomenal guest. And next time you are in Florida, we definitely have to get together for lunch or coffee or something of that nature. It's all very much appreciated. And uh, again, tell Mrs. Pistone, I said thank you very much. All she's done is very much appreciated as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. And be safe. In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is J, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know, we hear so often, I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law Enforcement Today is your platform. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest in your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.